Waking Up From Work podcast. My name is Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Yo, what up? I usually say hey to match that hey beforehand, but I want to mix it up on you and freak you out. So this is Dave Swillam, community. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 25 today. First off, I want to just kick this off with a big thank you. We just hit 1,500 downloads, which for me is a big deal. We're at 20 reviews. I, I really appreciate everyone who's been hanging out with me. I started doing those wake up Wednesdays and putting out a video every Wednesday and I'm getting a lot of great engagement. I'm talking with people every week now, you know, whereas this is bi-weekly. Now I'm really talking to people every week and it's exciting and it's awesome to be a part of. So thank you guys for creating something with me. It's such a pleasure to do this with you and to learn and and talk with you about everything. So today's going to be cool. Last week we, or last episode, we talked about information that I learned from a really big corporate thinker that I wanted to share with you folks. And I thought he had some really great points and things that he learned. And I kind of talked about like, hey, these are the pros about corporate stuff. And now it's, you know, for me going down to working in a really, really small business from a huge corporation. And from that to this episode, We actually talk about a real contrast here, and I thought it was interesting to put these back to back. Today, we talk to Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, actually out of Minneapolis. So that's kind of fun. And they've worked in the corporate um, way, way high up and being the communications for um, like Best Buy's world headquarters, like the place. And they basically, they have now a communications company called Rock.Voss Communications doing what they were doing before, but doing it for themselves. And they kind of talk about why that happened. So they worked corporate jobs over 20 years and they have a lot of things to talk about where they're saying, you know, the pros and the cons, like what happened and what's happening now. And it's really interesting to hear the contrast from people who have truly lived corporate for 20, 25 years and then are truly living their own side hustle as their business now for the past 12 years. And they wrote two books actually authored as business fiction, which is really cool because they bring out so many characters and ways of discussion that are very, very real to the mundane life that some of us live. And they bring those characters out in a way that you really feel like you experience the person that you know in the office, which is why I like that it's a fictional business book versus a factual, which I read a ton of and I love those. So today we talk about kind of what sucks about corporate what's good about it if that's your deal and then just the middle ground of like do whatever the hell you want to do but like just be self-aware enough to know what you do and don't like and what's shitty and not shitty about your life in that situation like is it something that i need to get out of or am i in the right spot and i just got to mix it up a little and how can i do that so this episode we went over a lot about that once again thank you thank you thank you for tuning in thank you for the reviews you guys are the bomb diggity And I know no one uses that phrase, so sorry about that, but it is what it is. Thanks. So welcome to episode 25 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. I've got Rock.Voss Communications, also known as Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss, also known as the authors for Operation Cluster Puck. And BS Incorporated is a precursor to that, if I'm not wrong. Right. That is correct. Yes. Operation Cluster Puck is the sequel to BS Incorporated. Cool. Okay. So for those of you that don't know them, and you may not because we're all New Hampshire folk here, they are coming live from Minneapolis or outside Minneapolis to hang out with us today. So we're starting to hang out with people around the country, which is the best part about technology. And um, these guys, um, I haven't read through a ton of your book because Kelsey, and the reason why it took so long is Kelsey sent it to me in the middle of like, selling my house, buying a house across the country, doing all this other changes. So I'm reading the rest of this after our interview and I'll email you back. <laughs> but I read the first couple chapters of it. And, and I guess the idea of it for me is something I'm really intrigued by. Because for those of you who haven't checked out their book yet, 
it's basically a a business communication structure novel though it's like a fictional novel but these folks here have been in the corporate setting and worked in you know high up in a in a large corporation for so for a long time and uh, all these characters the things that they say the reactions that they have the even like I don't know. I was reading something about like an IT guy snoring or something like that. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's down to the wire of like, you're not going to read this book and think these business principles and, you know, think that it's a, you know, a textbook. You're going to read it and you're going to be like, I really just walked into my office and the IT guy is like over there right now snoring. Like that's <laughs> happening right now, you know? So, um, I got hit up by the, uh, who is Kelsey? Someone that works with you guys. Kelsey's our publicist. Oh, wonderful. So I got hit up by her and she sent out the first book. It got lost in transit. She sent out the second book and it got to me. And um, I really wanted to have you guys on today because our topics align together pretty well. Like uh, this is the Waking Up From Work podcast. And what we talk about is not so much that you need to get out of corporate life, even though if that's what you want to do, do it. We talk about do your passion. Right. And so like what I got from this book and I've listened to a couple of podcasts you guys have been on, your podcast people. And yeah. you bring up this point about like, listen, like we did corporate for a long time and we got out of corporate and we made that decision. And there's pros and cons of both sides of it. But ultimately, if you're happy at your corporate job, stay at your corporate job and that's awesome. And do things to improve it there or work on communications and different things in the in, in the building to make it better. If you don't want to be and you feel that it's Operation Clusterpuck, then get out of there. <laughs> go do something or go start on your own. Exactly. And, and, you know, both our books and I think our career stories lend themselves exactly to that. Too often, we allow ourselves to sleepwalk through our careers or our lives, thinking this is the only thing we can do and the only way we can do it. And both with our careers, Jennifer and I worked the corporate grind for many, many years, and there were some amazing parts of it things about it that we loved, Absolutely. but we always wanted to try and write a book. And so we, we just positioned ourselves over the course really of six years before from idea stage until we actually published our first book and transitioned our way out of the corporate life to start a consulting firm and finish our novel. And, and again, that's not the path for everyone, but no. our story, just like yours, is make sure you're doing whatever you're doing with eyes wide open and making good choices for yourself for your family, for your career, for your personal life, all the way along. Just have your eyes wide open and make sure we have limited time in each and every day and we have limited time on this earth. So take full advantage of it. 100%. So because I'm going to I'm gonna blow up, like I'm excited about the topic. <laughs> I want to stop myself real quick. I gave you guys a brief intro. Do you want to just walk my listeners through like, who are you folks? What's your story? They can get it from understanding characters and things from the books, but like, who are Jennifer Rock, Michael Voss, and what's the, what's the deal here? How did you come to be and where are you at? Sure. So um, I was born in a small house. No, I'm just too far back. Um, <laughs> Minneapolis. <laughs> by so, the lakes. <laughs> so uh, Mike and I have about 45 years of experience working in, in corporate jobs in corporate America. Um, we both grew up um, separately, um, miles and miles apart, wanting to be writers and um, both found ourselves in communications-related careers um, our okay. entire career. So um, advertising, public relations, that kind of thing. So our paths crossed at Best Buy headquarters, which is here in Minneapolis, where we've worked together for about 12 years. Um, we had very big jobs in this very big company where um, you know, we were the head of uh, communications, worked closely with executives. Um, we got some very interesting... Um, stories and characters in our heads um, from being behind closed doors on private to. jets, right? Not private to. jets on on board of directors meetings, things that a lot of people aren't privy to, and a lot of things that you know it was our job to keep these stories out of the out of the headlines and the hallways, basically. But we took notes. We took lots of notes Have throughout to. our careers, right? And so um, we just got to are, a point. Our pe yeah, go ahead. people are 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 normal people, but then they're mm -hmm. they're obviously. Most of them are very intelligent and they're under these yeah. insane constraints doing right. big right. movements. And you just have to think about all of those things that I just said. And then what do you think happens with normal people but are doing extraordinary things 
all over the place. There's just got to be stories to tell. There have to be, right? Yeah, and we had we we had a lot of them. So right. <laughs> you know, it was you you mentioned you know the very first scenes in Operation Cluster Puck with the horrible meeting where the IT guy is snoring snoring in the corner. That was absolutely a soul crushing meeting True that Mike story. and I attended. True story, and it was actually the impetus for us to escape. We went to a bar patio. We started trading stories of the things that we had seen. <laughs> yep. And yeah. we, we absolutely said, I'm out. This is unproductive. <laughs> and we realized we didn't even actually know each other all that well at that point. And we realized that um, we both had this dream of writing a book. And we had so many good things, so many interesting stories to tell from the corporate experience and said, you know what, if, if not us, who? I mean, let's do this. And so two books later, um, we have told... Some pretty interesting tales, like you said. You know, we we could have written a nonfiction book, but those are boring. And we decided let's go the novel route and let's let's create some characters and some situations that people can commiserate with, people can um, read, identify, yeah, identify with, or be so happy that they escaped the corporate experience altogether. So, like, I remember that. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Or, or like, or yeah, I know that guy. Like, I literally talked to him yesterday. That exact person. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And we hear that a lot. People say, it's like you snuck into my company, mm-hmm. watched what I do every day, and then wrote a book about it. So right. and that's, the best, that's the best compliment we can get because that's what we're shooting for. We want to represent what it's really like, the great parts, the terrible, like soul-crushing, stressful parts, and the hilarious, absurd moments that you know, just happen when you have a bunch of people together in a highly stressful situation. They just have to, yeah. That's what I like about it is like a lot of times when I'm reading through it's like very full of, it's full of like, not like one descriptor, but like you go like another three or four like descriptors in until you picture that person. And that's, what's cool about it being fictional versus being like a, like, don't get me wrong. I read a lot of like mindset and business and things that get me like rah, rah and like, or, or ideas of marketing or all these things. But those things are more of an idea or a way of function. Whereas this book is, it still incorporates that, but I like that it's real people that you basically overlay who it is that you think of because you've descriptive, it's descriptive in that way. Well, thank you for that because we did put a lot of effort in, into making sure that our characters seemed real and they're three-dimensional and you get to know those people and you root for them or you root against them depending on what role they play in the story. But, you know, we, as Jennifer said, we we toggled between the idea of a nonfiction story with a bunch of lessons. And, and there are great books out there like that. Absolutely. But stories really like, connect people and stories really get, you know, tap into a person's deeper thinking. And that's what we wanted to do is to tell a story that, that you know, again, my, my personal frame of reference going in, and again, this is going to age me, but <laughs> I, like I thought of our first book as Fast Times at Ridgemont High in a business setting going to make you laugh. It's, you're going to see all kinds of zany characters, but you're going to care about what happens to them before the story's done. Cool. Yeah. It's interesting because literally last episode, and this will kind of explain me as a person. So last episode, we did a solo episode of, I, t- I interviewed for my MBA to finish it off. I had to interview a strategic leader in an organization. So I went to this huge <laughs> company. I went in and I did an interview with a very, very important person, like, you know, top four, like this is the guy. Right. And I got strategy from him and I shared it on the last one because I believe that there are things that those companies do to be successful that make them that successful. Like they're not jokes. They're doing insanely smart things at these companies to be able to function on a level that they do. And I took those and broke it down, but then I wanted to do this one, like right next to it in contrast to also, I went it's funny that you're here at this time in the podcast. I went in the last year from working a corporate job, not 45 years, not 40 years, but <laughs> five years was, that was my, I'm good. Like I'm all set, but I worked yeah. five years in a really, really corporate setting. And also you noted Best Buy, but I you know you're headed like in the Best Buy tower or wherever you're at, but yep. I worked for, um, for Verizon. So you're working in that retail to feel the marginal, the pressure of margins for their pricing structure. Like I'm, I understand that there's gotta be pressures that I'm not aware of in the books that change the way that they function. But I went from that and now I work at a super small business. There's six of us 
and they had no marketing sales or any other things. And I'm that guy. I'm like marketing sales. I'll go drop off a truck. I'll go pack it up. I'll go run. We do like AV for corporations, ironically enough. I'll go (laughs) run an event. You know, I'll go take pictures. I'm all over the place. And I have seen the contrast because it's so contrasting with how those things work. And there's good things and bad things on both sides. And that's really why I wanted you guys to like take that point home to be like, listen, I'm not going to tell you what to do with what it is that you want to do. Just decide on the things that you're not cool with and that you're cool with. And you have to find out somewhere in there, like where you're supposed to be at. There's an answer, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's a, that's, a pretty important theme in Operation Clusterpuck is, you know, we wanted to really explore our characters' um, careers and the decisions that they've made. And our main character, Will, that's that's something that it's kind of an epiphany he has in, in the book where he realizes that everything, every position he's ever had in his career has just happened to him. He hasn't actually pursued what he wants. Um, promotions are just given to him. And that's awesome. But He's never really been in control of his own career. And there's a point that the character says, you know, if you, nobody, no company ever says, here's exactly the work-life balance that you deserve and I'm going to give you. Because if you ask a company to choose for you, the company will always choose itself. That's what they're designed to do. So you have to take control of your own career and your life and decide what that balance is. And if you decide that you want to work 90 hours a week for a $45 billion company, Hell yeah. go for it. That's Do it. awesome. Yep. And some people really thrive. I loved the big corporate environment for a lot of years. I mean, I was good at it. I was good at cutting through the bureaucracy. I was good at the strategic thinking that it took. And I wanted to get a seat at the table and I did. And it was awesome. And it made me feel valued and and um, and wonderful, but I also worked in a small company that had I don't know forty people in it, and that was awesome in a whole different light, right? I mean, for sure. There's no there's there's very little approvals. You're you're just you do your own thing. You wear fourteen hats instead of one, and you know it. Again, I think I think if if you read our book and you you kind of get into the head of the character Will, I hope what people take from that. And again, it's not a serious book. It's it's funny and it's zany, but I hope that that underlying theme sticks out for people where it's like, you know, you have a choice. We all have a choice, you know, take, take stock and decide, you know, am I happy in this environment or, you know, do I, do I want the small company or do I want a bigger company? And that's, that's all we're saying is that, you know, you make choices and it's best that you make those choices for yourself and not let a company make those choices for you. Absolutely. Yeah. It's super easy to just, it's, I mean, you to get promoted, you have to be doing, you have to be doing a good job. You have to be doing things right, but it's super easy to just get like promoted like two or three times. And then all of a sudden like be like, Whoa, what's going on right now? Like, you know, like you you just get, it's just so, so fast paced and there's so much less time to think about those choices and options when you're fast paced in the office and then you get out and you're tired, you know, it's just that simple of we're human beings, you know, it's, it's hard to be able to make those decisions. It's really easy where there's definitely a framework that's set up with the way that things have functioned in the past of exactly what you do and you do the things. And and sometimes it's really easy to just go with that. Like I, I, I totally understand. I understand really how, it happens that you have someone all of a sudden be doing something that they wanted to do and they just went off and did it. And you're like out from the outside, like how the hell did that person do it? But I also understand the person that worked 90 years and looks back and is like, dang, I hated that. I really hated yeah. that. And you're like, I get it. I get both sides of how it happens. Coming right. from your experience, guys, what's, what's your viewpoint? I mean, you worked, work, um, kind of flip-flop for me. Like you worked in the corporate setting, you loved some parts of it, didn't like others for a long time. And now you have your own communications company. I would imagine doing some of the similar, are you doing some of the similar services and things that you were offering? And now you're doing it for clients as a service instead of working ingrained in a business. Is that what we are? We are absolutely taking our expertise that we learned at Best Buy and our other jobs and applying that with, with new clients, which is, is a, 
is, you know, it's, it's doing what we know how to do, but doing it for different clients. And it's wonderful learning new businesses, new industries. And it's really sort of given us a new life and a new sense of energy to attack things that we would have sort of done in, you know, sleepwalking mode in our previous jobs. Right. It, it might be some of the same activities, but whereas before you were just doing the things as a function because you had to right. do them, whereas now you're still doing some of the same things, but it's, it's like a new energy to it because it's like guerrilla warfare. It's like I'm out on the streets. I'm working with different people. I'm, I'm getting things done because I'm yep. choosing to, I guess. But what, what are your thoughts on the differences between the two? Like what's, what are your thoughts on the differences between your experience in corporate and self, working for yourself entirely? Yeah. You know, I think, um, first of all, again, we both loved our jobs for a long time. So I would never encourage anyone to, who's going through just the day-to-day struggles to think I need to leave and do something else because those struggles, you know, that, that journey, I know it's kind of a cliche, but that journey is part of it. Fighting through those things, you learn a lot along the way. We did it for 20 plus years each. And by that, at that point, we were ready to do something else. And as I said, it's been really fun learning different industries, different companies. Um, and, and you have to be ready to go. I think, you know, I, I, again, I would never encourage anybody to jump prematurely either to just a different company or a different job or especially to go out on your own because that creates a whole new sense of challenges. The paychecks do stop coming if you yes. leave your day job. And that's a significant challenge for, for anybody. And we certainly have gone through that and, and continue to have to fight and, and drum up business. but. You know, I, I think it's, I like the way Jennifer talked about taking stock. And I think it's important to take stock on a regular basis, not mm-hmm. just every five years or every few years. Take stock on a regular basis. Is your job making you happy? Does it give you the balance you want outside of work? Are there other things you could be doing for your current company? Would you want to jump to a different company? Or would you want to try and do something else entirely? So, And, and would you want to do something else on the side? I mean, sure. this is kind of the era of the side hustle, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, you Steady paycheck is awesome. And if you can kind of, you know, make a go at your current job, fabulous. But do you have time then to do the side hustle that makes you happy? And uh, whatever that is for you, I mean, whether it's, you know, developing a, a cooking blog that you get advertisements for or, you know, taking up golf, like, I, I don't care. Like it's, it's, but, but find something. I mean, oh my goodness, life is so short. I mean, find something that, that makes you happy. And, and, I, I I get tired of the people who say things like, you know, if you find something you love to do, you never have to work a day in your life. Well, yeah, you do. You got you still <laughs> yeah, got to you pay your you got to pay your rent. You you have to buy food. I mean, there's like still you, boring days. Yes, yeah. and they're always boring will. days. Working yes. or passion. stressful there's days. There's still yeah. boring and stressful. Yeah, for sure. There's yeah, but you know, clients. There's still bad. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. You know. But you know. I I got to a point in in my corporate job where and it's absolutely true that that I slept with the phone in my hand because the three a.m. call would come like we were on the we were the first call when when um when something went down when a, a hurricane took out a store or you know or a scandal happened or you know something or an executive decided to leave and it and that's a really stressful job and about a year after I had quit that job. I went to the doctor, you know, as a regular annual checkup kind of thing. And she did like the cholesterol and the weight and, you know, all those normal, you know, blood pressure. And she looked at the chart and she's like, you probably added 10 healthy years onto your life. Wow. And, and, and it's not like, you know, gosh. and I just, I just didn't realize it. You know, it's that thing where you don't realize it when you're in it, how bad it was. But, you know, when you're, you're eating out of vending machines at 11 o'clock at night in the corporate you know, in the campus, office, in the darkened corporate campus. Yeah, right? and you're the last one to leave, and you're, you know, I like. There's only so many funyuns people can eat before <laughs> it takes a toll of your on your health. Good lord! So I imagine it can't be that many funyuns. Like there's probably no, a very, no. very low threshold to that. It's, it's a, two point three bags. They call it yeah, the funyun threshold. Your, yeah. Your, <laughs> is that is that one of the things that you guys speak on when you're working with other companies? Is you're like, listen. We've got a lot to do with communication. We've got a lot to do with the way that we facilitate how we work with our employees. Number one, number one that we always start at, Funyuns threshold. Do you have any of this? How many are your employees eating? Because like you could be really angry, like hangry right now if you're not eating. Right. Forget the employee survey. Just see how many bags of Funyuns are coming out of that vending machine (laughs) on a daily basis. But you know, I mean, that's it. (laughs) In, in, 
in kind of all seriousness, I mean, we, Mike and I do talk to clients that like communications also overlaps with HR and culture and employee engagement and all those things. And, you know, um, again, when we talk about um, companies will always choose themselves, they, um, they will always pile work on employees. And as long as employees keep getting all that work and accepting it, then companies will give them more. And that's how I think we, we run into trouble because we don't look out for ourselves and we don't think about our health. And we think about like, you know, my, the, what, the measure of success is my next bigger paycheck, my bigger title, my, I have to keep stepping up the ladder because that's how success is measured. And yeah, it takes a toll. Right. It takes a toll. Dangerous mindset. It it really is. And I think, you know, as Mike and I have talked about, when you go and do your own thing, when it's an entrepreneur thing, when we stop to to write these books, you know, it was a different measure of success for us. We had to rethink what success looks like because it wasn't going to be somebody giving us a promotion and it wasn't going to be probably the next bigger paycheck. It it looks it looks different out here. So that was a, that was a really, that was a tough thing to wrap our heads around. And I would tell anybody in your listening audience who, you know, is, is thinking about doing something a little different or joining the gig economy or, you know, all of those, those side hustle things, all the things that are going on now, it's like, you know, there's yep. some really awesome things about that. And there are some really big risks. Well, like on that note, like you can see my bedroom right now, like in this camera for for you folks, because you might not know, but my, my listeners have kind of like in episodes, I'm popping out like, hey, this is where I'm at. My wife got into vet school like at a blink of an eye. And mm. the way that we're trying to work it out is I'm, I have a side hustle that I'm really working towards, um, you know, cu- cultivating in this area that it, it really mm. dictates that I can't leave. But for her to be down there, we couldn't have our house. So it's like I went the traditional path. I came out of school. I got a high paying job. I got promoted a couple times. We got a house. We got married. I did the things. But right now, she's down in Tennessee at college. I'm up here. I'm back in a bedroom. I'm back. Yeah. And it's like I'm, in my, I'm not in my parents' home. I'm at least. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got that up on people. But it's like this right now, this is my success. Right. Yeah. Right. right. When, you're, when you're changing your success, I didn't get promoted. I, I, some people would think I'm going down. But living in this room and just working and then doing my side hustle and being in the field, doing exactly what I want every single day. I work seven days a week, like you're saying, like you can work the 90 hours if you know, if you want to do that. I like to work. I just like to work doing things that I want to do. So my success is living in this bedroom back in my hometown, you know, because that's what I like to do. So it's like if your version of success is whatever it is that makes you happy instead of monetarily or toys that we have in our backyard or our house or anything like that, it's just so much easier to live. Like, it's just such a, like, there's so much less pressure when you're like living that way that I'm happy that that can, that can be success now. It really Absolutely. Can. Absolutely. So cool. So I guess like, let me look at the communication side from you guys because it really can be, everything like really like a a great communicator can do things to smash out really any weakness in my book because great communicators it just the way that we function with people what are some of the things that you're conveying to some of your clients or some of the things that you would recommend to people who are entrepreneurs side hustlers you know what are some communication things that you teach that we could kind of take as some take-homes from this Sure. Sure. I I think the biggest one that we talk about the most is authenticity. And and whether you are talking to an executive who is communicating to a group of employees or whether you're talking about a company communicating to its customers. And you see that, you know, that's a, a bigger thing now with social media, right? With Twitter accounts and people engaging through other social media channels. You have to be authentic. You know, we cannot be the cold. Um, arm's length company or arm's length leader anymore. You really need to engage with people on an authentic personal level. And there are companies that do an amazing job of it. If, you know, if you're paying any attention to social media, there are some companies that are just so great and they just communicate on a human level with their customers. And what we do, we tend to focus a little more on big companies and internal communications when they have 
hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of employees. And it's real easy for those leaders to be stilted and just you know, show the PowerPoint chart and talk about the business performance or whatever. And we really push people and companies to communicate on a more authentic human level. And the fact of the matter is both customers and employees are demanding it now. If you treat them like just the, you know, the whitewashed herd of people and you just treat everybody the same and you talk to them in a stilted manner, they'll go somewhere else, whether as a customer or an employee. So I think that's probably the biggest thing we push. Yeah, totally. And, um, Absolutely. and then I think, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's so funny. I mean, we, we, we've been talking about this a lot, actually, that as technology, the rise of technology has made some parts of communication so much easier across time zones, across um, uh, you know, across uh, shifts in the warehouse, you know, doing whatever. a podcast with some folks out in <laughs> Minneapolis at totally p.m. in uh, New Hampshire, in a which house. is awesome. But on the other hand, we've there has really been a wonderful return to that humanness. Like Mike was talking about authenticity, um, there is no replacement for face to face communication, and sometimes it's impossible. Like when you're in New Hampshire and we're in Minneapolis, but um, I think a lot of companies over-indexed. They swung the pendulum way over to let's never look at each other again and let's just present at each other and have technology. And, and now we're seeing the pendulum swinging back to let's figure out how to actually look people in the eyes and build some trust between the C-suite and the front lines. And that's awesome. And that's what I think, no matter if you're in a tiny company or a big company, you should strive for. It's like, how do I get more face-to-face communication. And yes, it might take a little longer. And yes, it might be a little sticky to figure out. But there's absolutely no replacement for looking someone in the eyes and tell them what's going on. Absolutely. I think that you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like, I think technology came in and it's now moving so much faster than we anticipated when it really came in strong. And now you have social media at scale and you have... and and all these other things at scale right now that are changing the way that we communicate with each other. And what it comes down to is I feel like technology brought transparent transparency back because there's nowhere to hide now because someone could take a video of you. Absolutely. Literally anywhere. Even if like, maybe you're at a spot where it's not appropriate, they still could be doing it because maybe they were mad because things were brewing for like years and they're doing it anyway. People can take a video of you anywhere, post it somewhere and get a ridiculous amount of views just by people sharing. Even if you push past all, you know, Facebook's algorithms, if you're not paying them, you could still just have a million people share it because it just hits them that at home. But it's like transparency is here because there's no other option in terms of the way that companies are selling. They have to be transparent. Like you're saying, like with your customers, they'll shop somewhere else. If you're lying to them, and you're just, they're reading information and then you, they come in to see you and they're telling them wrong information. They're like, I know the information. I literally Googled this on my way here. I know what the price of this is. But then also your employees or the people that you work with or your customers, you can't hide anymore. So you have to just be yourself. That's the only thing that you can be right now, which is awesome. Like I'm, I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, totally. Like that's right. probably, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And you see, you see a lot of people and companies struggle with that, right? With the transparency aspect of it, because now the camera's on 24-7. And you used oh, to be man. able to just move around freely and you could do whatever you wanted and, and nobody knew half of what you did or what you said. And you're, you're right. We're, we live in a completely different kind of society now. It's, it's sort of Orwellian, big brother, you know, someone's yeah. watching all the time. It's not necessarily the government, but someone's watching all the time. And, Someone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people struggle with that and companies struggle with that. And the ones who can get in front of it and the ones who have good, solid values and, and integrity to begin with are the ones who are going to be able to move on through that without having any reputational damage done. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point about the, you know, the employees are always, um, they're always texting. They always have the, you know, phone in their hands and things. And so you you can't be that company, that old timey company that used to say how great they treated their employees. And then inside the company, they were treating their employees poorly because employees will go out to social media and show how poorly you're treating them. Whine about And be mad about it. Yeah. And be mad about it. And so we have always been big believers in having that conversation with your employees first. Let's, let's, Keep it in house. Let's let's 
let's have those tough conversations with employees. Let's have the town halls where you have people complain to the CEO space, like deal with it inside the company or the employees will surely go outside and deal with it. And that's how you lose customers. That's how you lose um, present employees. That's how you lose future employees. So there's, this is a whole new era of honesty and it's a really, really good thing. It's good for companies. It's good for leaders. It's good sure. for employees. You just, you have to embrace it. You can't fight it. I remember a moment where like, it's still stuck with me today, where it was just a conversation. It was just like a passing conversation when you walk by someone in the hall. And it was with someone that was higher up in the company. And we, we were just having some type of conversation saying like, oh, you could do this thing and you could make more money. And I was like, I don't want to do that thing. And they're like, oh, well, why would you not want to do that thing? I was like, oh, because then I would like really have to be on my phone like way later hours than I thought, like when I'm back home and I'm hanging out with people and I'm cooking and I'm doing things. And I really just want to, when I leave work, I feel like I have a, a good amount of responsibility right now. And I don't want all of my life to have that communication just popping in everywhere. And he's like, but you get paid like $40,000 more. I was like, I would... When, whenever I would pay $40,000 to not do the thing, then I don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't yeah. do it. And we just sat there at each other and we basically stopped talking because both of us were like, but you get paid $40,000 more. And I was like, but I don't want to deal with that shit. But and it was just right. like, a, we stopped talking. We like looked at each other and we're like, we have different mindsets entirely. We literally are different never going to agree on this. Right? And it was just like different a, things. Yeah. Oh, such a clash in, 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 um, in like the old school and the new school. I don't know if I think new school or not, but that was like such a clash and, and perspectives of, of, of why we would do those things. That's like, like to your point, you know? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Too funny. So like when you're, when you're running into a business, like I remember, I think I listened to a podcast with you today saying, um, or maybe I read it somewhere. I, I kind of like blitzed through your stuff this morning. Yeah. One of you said like, please God, not another PowerPoint, like something like that. <laughs> like just not a, you can do whatever you want. You literally drive a car in someone's house. Just don't do another PowerPoint, please. Like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that was me. Yeah, I, was. I, I think it was me. I, you know, it, that's, that's another thing with communications we see a lot is, is the crutches, right? Um, PowerPoint is a huge crutch for people. It's a great tool. Don't get me wrong. We use it. It's a great thing to present, but at some point in business, we stopped talking to each other and we started presenting at each other, even with tiny meetings, even in one-on-one -on -one meetings, like, oh my goodness, put the PowerPoint down. Like, let's just have a conversation. And, um, and that got lost. That got lost somewhere in business. And so um, we are firm believers in using PowerPoint correctly, which is very few words on a slide and you use it to back up what you're saying, not to deliver your entire speech and read it, you know, point by point off your, off your slide. Here's my next slide. Let me read it to you. <laughs> right. 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 So it's a, it's a big crutch. Um, business people have to, have to um, wean themselves off of PowerPoint. That would be a, a huge suggestion I would have. What are some of the other things like, just like you just break down the, com the communication based off of what the point is that you're trying to convey or the information that you're trying to convey and then breaking that into other means of communicating it is essentially like if this could be a conversation one-on-one -on -one or in small groups or just to the group as a conversation in a meeting, I'm going to do it that way. Or if this could be put out as a webcast, I'm going to put it out that way or as an email, I'm going to put it out this way. And just taking that information or those points and just delineating that into different streams of communication that are more apt to what you're trying to say? Is that what you guys really work to? Or what yeah. do you do in that situation? How do you help those people? We, we're big proponents of, you know, it sounds kind of corporate -y, but key message development. So whatever is going on, whether it's your quarterly earnings report or you have a crisis or, you know, unfortunately you have to lay people off, whatever it is, you develop those key set of bullet points. It might be three, it might be five, it might be 15, depending on how complex sure. the issue is. And then you can take, you make sure you have all the facts, all the data, everything that's going to basically tell the story, even if it is in sort of a rote bullet point sort of 
presentation, then you can turn that into an email. You can turn that into speaking points for an executive. You can turn that into a news release for investors or for customers. But you have to you have to get the full story crafted. And and in the business environment, it's not so much a story, unfortunately. It is bullet points. It's a set of key messages sure. that lines out everything that you need to communicate. Then you start turning it into other materials and, and depending on what that looks like. It might be a video script. It might be any number of of different uh, ways to present the information. Yeah, and I think the trick for, I mean, anybody out there who's looking to communicate to employees or customers or anybody, um, you know, you, you have to meet them where they are. So if if the bulk of your um, customers interact with you on Twitter, then you should be communicating, you know, push, putting out communication via Twitter. Right. If most of your employees are on sales floors or in warehouses and they or on, you know, tethered to a customer service headset, um, they're probably not going to be checking their emails. Um, we've worked for a company that they didn't check their emails more than once a year. So yeah. like, don't communicate by email. So, you know, y- you really have to do a little legwork to figure out how people get their information and then communicate that way with them. Um, it's not about, you know, I really like um, Instagram, so I'm going to communicate to you via Instagram. Nope you got to find out where your audience is, then yep. communicate to them that way. So I love that. that's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm a very, it doesn't seem like it, I'm sure with like all the crap that I'm up to, but I'm a pretty simple dude where like, if I could not be on social media, I would be off of social media. Like when people sure. tell me they're like, I don't have Facebook. I'm like, good for you, man. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like right. I would love to not do that. I just can't do that. And, and it's because I have people that want to communicate there, they're there. That's where yeah, that's everyone it. is at. And that's where they like to communicate. And, uh, you know, like I, I, I know like my wife yells at me all the time because I'm like old school <laughs> sometimes. So like, I like, you're saying like nothing can play, replace face to face. I like to call people. I call yeah. people all the time. Another well, lost heart. That's so many another people, lost heart. I was going to say, that's just weird. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I call people and they're like, they're like, you oh use God. your, What's Wait, you use your like, phone? You use your phone for conversations? How does that even work? I carry a rotary phone around with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it is an, it, it's a lost art. It really is. And people, some like some people get mad flat out. Some people are like, I'm at work, dude. Like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, oh, I, I would have left a voicemail if you were at work. Right. That's what I would. You like, don't need to pick up. Yeah. Texting me right now. <laughs> you know, or like some people think that you're like harmed because they're like, What's up? Like, what, what's going on right now? I'm like, I just want to see if you want to come watch the Patriots game with me. I don't know. You know? And so, um, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting because it's just it. It's so personal the way they communicate. But yeah, I, I you you have to be where your where your people are. You're gonna be you're gonna meet people where they want to be met around. So Absolutely, not, not working right. So that's cool. Um, the other week, I had I, I always ask questions to my audience. I say. You know, based off of what you know about me, what are things that I can answer for you or I can tell you my spiel on it or anything? Because I every Wednesday I put like a quick little video out and and answer stuff or I go over stuff or I rant sometimes too. I'm good at that. Sure. Um, and one of them asked me about complacency and I already did my own spiel, my own shtick on like what I thought can help with complacency. But you folks being on both sides of the fence being in spots in your company where you're like, I'm so happy with this and being in spots in it where you're like, I'm, I'm fried right now. Like I can't do this. Do you have any tips for people where maybe their plan is to get out of their business or where they're working at, but it just takes time in that plan, right? It might take six years to get out of that company. If you're saving, if you're eating dead away, if you're building the business, whatever it may be, that's, that's doing that. Do you have tips for people that I feel so complacent right now. I feel so burnt out where they can at least figure out different options for them. What, what would you say to someone? They're like, I'm so complacent. What do you, how do you break that down? Yeah, I, I received some really good advice from a colleague of mine and he had a term for it, which of course escapes me at the moment. But, um, you know, big changes can seem really daunting and they can paralyze us. And so I think the key is to take a little step either every day, every week, every month, whatever it is, map out where you want to be, sort of back into it, break it into really little, easy to do steps. You know what, if you need to network because you have no idea where you might want to work next, say you're going to network with one person each month, right? Or if you need to 
brush up on your skills or you need to re-up with some sort of, um, you know, your CPA has expired or whatever it is, something like that. Just break those things down into little steps so you can start to see the progress and work toward it. When you look at it as the big jump that you need to make, it's so daunting and it's so hard and it feels so risky and so scary. Of course, that's why people feel paralyzed. Break it down, little steps, and you'll feel better about your day job and you'll feel better that you're moving towards something. You don't have to put a timeline on it. You don't have to put a goal on the end of it, but just start taking little steps towards something different. And that movement, even if it's not in the perfectly right direction, it's like riding a bike, just start moving that bike forward. Right. And, and, and then I think that'll, it'll make it feel less daunting, less risky. That's great advice. That's awesome, Michael. Yeah. That uh, little bursts of like fulfillment or little bursts of like, literally just movement like you're saying like something is different in my office today right right yeah. something is it's different than something's different on my wall today like it's just something that's changing something. right right because things have to change because we're just too complex with the way that we think to allow it to like just be exactly how it is and just on cruise control for this is exactly the thing totally. i think I, I think i gave people like two two things that i had because I was saying like, even like now, like I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing every day. I can still get complacent because you just get complacent if you don't mix it up. So one thing I do is like, I, I invest somehow in myself so that that way I feel good about something that I'm doing, even if it's outside of work. I had like a course, I was like $300 and I was like, I have so many things I have to spend on. I have debt that I need. Like I have things I need to spend money on, but I bought the course and by like, I'm not even talking to people really about it because not as many of my friends are into that course. But by doing that, having that investment, you just walk into work differently because you right. feel it. Yeah. think about it and it gives you something to look forward to. Or also like say it's work related because I was a big um, advocate for like, I didn't love my last job, but I did the absolute best that I possibly could at that job every day because I just believe that. And the way that I would do it on days where I'm like, I don't like this. I'm not passionate about it is I would set challenges that were things that I was either uncomfortable to do or things that I didn't really want to do. And I would have them in actual timeframes where like, you know what, you know, like, cause I was doing sales. It'd be like, I don't want to do these cold calls. All right. By noon, I have to rip out a hundred cold calls or I have to go jump in a lake or, you know what I mean? Like something like have to do it. Yeah. Have to, if I want to network, I'm going to go into this bar tonight by myself with zero friends and I need to meet 12 people and somehow find out where, where they work or something. Something stupid where you just give yourself something. That's great. Like, I'm not comfortable and that's something I've never done before. And you just make yourself do it in some way that you're held accountable. You're like, if I don't do this, literally the world caves in tomorrow. I, I have to do it and believe that for some reason, but you have no, to, that's... Something to, to keep your, your mind engaged. Even if the way that work is right now, there isn't that extra thing that you can do for the, the company, even outside the box, you have to do something to even shift your schedule around, do something to make it so that like Michael's saying, there's got to be a place for the water to go. You have to create movement yeah. for it to be I, alive. I agree. And you know what? You just, you just sparked something that I, I used to do um, and at the end of my corporate career, going into meetings that I had really no business being in, like those meetings that you just have to be like, listen to everybody's status reports, like those meetings that you couldn't get out of. And I would walk into those meetings with a goal, a little tiny goal of like, I'm really bad at remembering people's names. So it's like, I'm going to walk out of that meeting, remembering everybody's name. And so I would challenge myself and it has nothing to do with the meeting. It's a skill I need to work on. And so everybody would introduce themselves and I would write their names down. And then when the meeting got particularly boring, I would be like, okay, who's sitting across the table? I think that's Bob. Is it Bob or is it Bill? <laughs> and like, but that's a tiny, tiny thing. But, but you're right. I mean, you, you, you have to, if you get complacent, if you get really unhappy, that's when you do foolish things. Like you walk out of your job without a backup plan. Yep. So you, you have to stay engaged however you can. And if it moves you forward or if it improves the skill 
um, it stretches you a little bit, fantastic, but you, you got to have that backup plan. I mean, very few people have enough money in their bank account to be able to just walk off a job and be okay for a little while. Yeah. So, um, so don't do that. <laughs> so just, just it's not think. a good spot to be in. It nope. just, it just really think things through. Yeah. It just puts you in a bad place. It really you know? does. <clears throat> yeah. So at the end of my show, I always ask five questions mm. to people. You think I haven't named it anything though. Like other podcasts, they name it like a, a fire round or they name it like right, something crazy. Right. I haven't named that's, it anything. Is that's that a little scary. Cool? You, you might want to, you might want to just tone down like the fire round. <laughs> yeah, I know it's intense. It's on like some real estate one that I listen to. It's fire round. They have like effects and stuff. I'm not cool enough for that. I'm pretty, I'm like, these are the five questions that well, I end my podcast with. I don't know. From a, from a communications perspective, I would say five questions is a lovely name for it. It, 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 it lets you it lets you know what to expect. You're, you're, it's very intuitive. It's yeah. very intuitive. You heard it, so folks. That's my professional right. five questions. Professional opinion. <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm right. putting that in the show notes in, in stone. Excellent. Um, okay, we're ready. So, first question is: What is the biggest mistake that you have made? It can be in professional. It can be in life. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. The biggest mistake that you've made. Uh, for me, for me personally, and it was early in my career, it was not preparing in advance for big meetings, not knowing who was going to be in there, not doing research and understanding and making sure, thinking through what questions might I be asked. And I, I actually, you know, sort of flamed out in an important meeting once and looked really dumb. And I never made that mistake again. But you know, I, I since then I, I learned the value of being very, very prepared. For meetings, especially if it's a new, you know, like Jennifer said, it's not one of those weekly status report meetings, but you're meeting with executives or you're meeting with a new set of customers or whoever that might be, just be fully prepared. And that was a huge mistake I made. Yeah. And that's um, like applicable everywhere, yeah. like right, literally right. applicable everywhere. If you're forget, like if you just make a, if you're not prepared for anything and then come in there and people are like, what are you doing? Where right. are you at who is this, right now? Who is this clown? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I would say this is just kind of a general thing. I've, I've done this personally and professionally is to not ask for help. Um, being, not wanting, you know, seeing that as a sign of weakness. Um, I did that early in my career. I did that late in my career. I've done that in my personal life. And there is absolutely no shame in raising your hand and going, I don't get this, or I think I'm going to need some help here. I love, I love that. Yeah. I mean, like you can't get better at things. Like we're not all amazing at everything. The sooner that you just snipe it out, like when you're just to your point earlier, when you're talking about like be authentic and be transparent, it's the same way for weaknesses. When you throw it out first and you're like, I'm bad at this or like, I can't do this thing. Then there's nothing to be afraid of because like you already said it. You're like, yeah, I am. I, I, I actually already told you that I'm bad at that. What, what (laughs) we've been over this, you know, what else, you know, way worse to hide it and then be like, yeah, I'm good at that. And then be like, I don't know what's going on. You know. Right. Um, so flip side of that. And this one, for whatever reason, can be harder for people because we kind of like do it and then move on. What's the best thing that you guys have done ever? Oh, quitting my corporate job. <laughs> Absolutely. Quitting my corporate job. Best thing I ever did. It really was. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be sitting here with two published books that are critically acclaimed and well-reviewed that people enjoy without taking that risk. And it was an immense risk and I don't regret one second of it. Awesome. So I'll go just, you know, a little bit more broad than that. I think the best thing I ever did was to really work hard on myself at having better self-awareness. I, you know, I was a person who thought I knew more than I did and would speak up because I heard other people speaking up, but I maybe didn't know what I was talking about. And um, and it, like I said, I had some big bumps in the road, some embarrassing scenarios early in my career because I didn't slow down and look at what I was not good at. And to me, it's not so much about fixing that as it is maybe finding other people who are good at those kinds of things. And as Jennifer said, asking for help in those areas, but um, really forcing myself to develop self-awareness and humbling myself a little bit is probably the biggest thing for me. Awesome. So self-awareness is like pretty much the key to everything I think like I always talk to people about like be able to go to your like town or family barbecue 
and say what it is that you want that that exactly what you want to do and what you're doing right now be able to say that and not think about like oh well, these people close to me like what are they going to think if i tell them i'm doing this right. thing or if i'm dating this person or i'm going to this school or i'm doing this job or like be able to go to a barbecue and anyone at that barbecue literally comes up to you and says what's up with you and you say everything that you like and is on your mind and you do and you have no hesitation at all for you right. saying any awesome. of those things. And that means that you kind of landed in that spot where like, I'm super comfortable with who I am because I just right. said right. anything right. that I want to say to people that mean an a unreal, close, intimate part of me that have known me forever. I just said it and I have no hesitations, no regrets. That's great. That's Love huge. it. Um, okay. So besides your book, mm-hmm. right? What is, and it can be this book, but what are some books that you might recommend to our audience, I guess, to be better with communications to their, to their company, to be, you know, leaving from their, their day job over? Like, what are some books that you might recommend? I'll have your book in the show notes for anyone that wants to check okay. out this book. This will be in the show notes and some links to their communication site so you can check out what Michael and Jennifer are up to. Yeah, for me, a, a really life and career changing book was Now Discover Your Strengths uh, by Marcus Buckingham and another gentleman whose name I can't remember. They are researchers at Gallup. And they, they wrote their first book was First Break All the Rules, and then it was Now Discover Your Strengths. And and the the strengths book really for me, again, helped me see what I was good at. And their their philosophy is if you're really good at something, you put funnel all your energies into that. If you're bad at something, find someone to help you do that. Someone else probably loves doing it and is really good at it. And that was career changing for me, especially as a young manager in the corporate environment where I thought I had to be good at everything. And I'm not good at being organized and at sort of tactical organizational tasks, but I I spent so much time trying to get better at it. And once I read that book and, and the company we worked for at the time, you know, embrace that philosophy. And it changed everything for me because there were people who raised their hands and said, well, I love doing that kind of stuff. Send that stuff my way. And it allowed me to focus, right. Allowed me to focus on what I was good at and I loved to do. And it was so freeing. So now discover your strengths. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I'll echo that too. I mean, that was a, um, uh, that's language that, I mean, so many years later we still use, like, I'm an achiever through and through, like that's, that was my, one of my strengths. Like I'm an achiever but I'm not a winning over others person. Like that's another, that's another one of those things. So it's kind of like the Myers-Briggs where it kind of, you, you, you read through your strengths and then you go, Oh, that's the way I am. Like that's, that makes so much sense. Like that's why I don't network in a bar and, you know, talk to 12 people. Like you said, (laughs) like, that's why that made my palms sweat. Just having you say that. It's like, Oh my gosh, I would never do that. Um, no, that's a good one. Um, and what was the, I'm I'm struggling to remember the name of the book about putting your your leadership team first. Oh, the five. Was it the five dysfunctions of a team? That's it. That's yeah. it. I couldn't remember oh, the one cool. word. Five dysfunctions cool of a team. Yeah, and it's more like a it's it's kind of more like a parable. It's 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 um, walks you through kind of a, a fictional a, team of leaders. Yeah, and 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 it it um. And so it really talks about how groups of people work together, sometimes well and sometimes not so well. But it it kind of puts you in a spot of thinking about your part in a team, no matter what your role is, because everyone's part of a team. And I I, I think that's another really good one that kind of, um, you know, what Mike described is a very bo- a book very much about an individual, and this book is very much about um, the team environment. Very cool. Okay, both of those sound like really good recommendations. Thank you. Yeah, sure. um, I, I usually ask this at the beginning, so I mixed it up a little bit. I tried to okay. not be complacent. Um, <laughs> what made you guys pursue what you're doing right now in a serious way? So like, what, what really was the thing where you're like, hey, we mm-hmm. should write this book and I want to be a writer and I want to leave this job. Like, what was the thing where you're like, actually, I'm going to write a book. And I'm going to leave my job. Like, what did it? So, so writing the book part was a little easier because we kept our day jobs for, for five and a half to six years because we were working, as we like to say, on uh, flights, nights, and weekends on the book. And, and that was just a fun way of, you know, fulfilling our sort of creative, um, you know, bent on the side. But what made me leave the job was, 
you know, the landscape shift shifted beneath my feet, that the company changed, the leadership changed, and I didn't enjoy my job anymore. And sure. as Jennifer said, we had really good, um, important jobs, and I became a high-priced button pusher when new leadership came in. They didn't give me a chance to really do anything or show what I was good at. And I thought, well, that's not so bad. I have my same salary. I have my same bonus. That lasted for about two and a half days until I realized this sucks. You know, it's because I realized it wasn't the salary that motivated me. It was the ability to really show what I could do. And that's, that's what made me ultimately leave my job. We had been working on the book, of course. So we knew we had something to jump to. Jennifer and I left the company at the same time. But for me, when when I stopped having the opportunity to show what I could do and show what I was good at, um, I lost my motivation to do that job anymore. Yeah. And I can tell you the exact moment I wanted to walk out the door, but couldn't yet. Um, it was a, a new leader I was working with. And like Mike said, we kind of became high priced button pushers instead of the strategic thinkers that we had been allowed to be for so long. Right. And, um, um, I was called down to a meeting that it was with the top leadership at the company and the new leader called me down because he needed my help. And I was really excited about that because I thought, okay, you know, he needs my go. strategic thinking, like, good, like I can show you what I can do. And you flex a little. Yeah. And what he wanted me to do was <laughs> to sort the candy for the middle of the meeting tables. Oh. <laughs> and so he literally said, Oh no. I'm not kidding you. He, I was there. I was there. Mike was there. It's God honest truth. He said, Oh, colors. Are you super good with colors? <laughs> Just finished no, he wanted, I'm going to, I'm going to quote, he wanted a good chocolate to nugget ratio on the tables. And so he gave me all the bags of candy and, um, and I had to sort candy. And oh. I was doing this with my summa cum laude advanced degree oh. in my 25 years of communication strategic experience. And, um, and so that was the moment I thought if I had enough money in my bank account, I would turn and walk away and I would never come back. Did you, but did I didn't. You like, did, did you like reveal that for a second where you like, you stopped and like when the question was asked for you, you're like, all right, Dan, like, why am I really here? Like, why did you really call me down here? Yeah, like, it was, I, I it really almost want that ratio to be good. Like real. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like I was getting punked and he was just, <laughs> Ashton and he just like, yeah. right. And totally. And I'm, and I apologize to your viewers. I, my phone just died. So I, we lost our Instagram feed. So, so sorry about it. that. It's, it's after an hour it cuts and, and, and Oh, okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, um, yes, at first, at first I thought I was getting punked and then it was even worse because this was the power play. This was the, this was the leader that can make you do. Yeah. This was the leader saying I can make the monkeys dance and I'm going to show you that your new role in this, in this team and you're, you're no longer a leader. I am. And so here's, I'm going to show you my role. So if you wonder when you read operation cluster puck, where some of our worst (laughs) characters came from ripped right from real life. Oh my gosh. I, I, I think that that's like the closest that I've gone to losing it during the podcast. And like, <laughs> I, I needed to like go downstairs and tell my roommates that that happened. Like I was like, I can't, I can't control this in one room. Like Ryan, my, my, I didn't even say it, but Ryan had a obligation to have a co-host. I like needed him mm. for support. <laughs> even believe this right now, but I had no one other than you and you know, it. I'll react well, later, you know, again, it's, that's completely true. Completely true. Oh, okay. That would be it for me. I would probably have less self-control than you. I'd be like, okay, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go run out and get more nougat options. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll, you know. And never come back. Oh my God. All right. So last thing I guess, and this is the easiest question of all of them is how do my listeners keep up to date with you guys? Where do they go check out? What ways do you guys like to communicate? They can communicate. Sure. So why don't, why don't I hit our website options sure. and you can hit social media okay. stuff. So um, the best way to learn more about our books and our consulting business is to go to rockandvossbooks.com. And that will link to our uh, consulting website, which is rock.voss.com. Um, but it also has links to all the places you can buy both of our books. You can get them through Amazon, through barnesandnoble.com. You can 
buy direct from our distributor, et cetera. Um, and then um, that also links you through to our various social media channels. Yep. So if you go to um, rockandvossbooks.com, then you'll find links to our social media accounts. We're really um, individually active on Twitter. Both of our Twitter addresses are out there. Um, and then um, Instagram, um, we, we, are out there with our book stuff on Instagram as well as we have a Facebook page. And so you can find addresses to all of that on Rock and Voss Books. And, um, and certainly if any of your listeners have their own horror stories about when they wanted to quit their jobs and didn't, or, they you do. know, about Nugget or anything like that, um, please get in contact heard with us. Bad. I haven't heard of that bad, but they have. We, we are... We always have our eyes open for good stories, for future reference, for future books, because, you know, we, we like to weave in some realness into these books. And, you know, there's a great deal of BS Incorporated and Operation Clusterpuck that are actually, they, they really happened. So sure. yeah. and don't hesitate to uh, uh, link with us on LinkedIn as well. So oh, yeah, Jen- Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss on LinkedIn. Cool. Happy to connect with any of your listeners. Yeah, LinkedIn in a more, in a more serious fashion. Yeah, right. <laughs> LinkedIn is popping right now. People are really actually engaging, which is really cool to see yeah. because it, yeah. you're right. It, it's just a different place to be at and it's cool. So yeah. awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining me from Minneapolis for episode 25 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Well, thank you for having us. This was so much fun. Yeah, great conversation. Loved it. All right, guys, there you go. That's episode 25 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Thank you for sticking around to hear the rest of this episode. Thank you for accepting or not accepting that this podcast was late because I got back from seeing Meg in Tennessee at like two in the morning and I just couldn't hoof it through for you guys to get it to you Monday morning. So thank you for accepting my flaws. So um, yeah, everyone, if you haven't been hanging out with me at all, every Wednesday I'm doing Wake Up Wednesday on Instagram and YouTube soon putting out a video on content, either music or audio related or business or mindset related. And I'm going to, moving forward, I'm really going to try to balance this podcast for you guys because I know I'm kind of a weird dude where I really give a shit about audio and music and I really give a shit about business and, and mindset. And they can sometimes mix together perfect and sometimes they don't make sense together. So I know it seems like I'm all over the place, but it really is just who I am with what I care about and what I want to deliver on and, and what I feel like I know enough about to at least find other people that can get the answers for us. So if you are looking for more content on music or audio or business or mindset, if you're feeling it's ever weighted, just hit me up at Dave Wake Up on Twitter or Instagram and just let me know. Or if you have questions or guests or things that are on your mind that I'm not answering or you're like, damn, I wish you would circle back to this type of vibe, just let me know. But I'm just navigating through with wherever my head's at, I'm, I'm really running organically on this, which is kind of how I roll if you know me as a person. So thank you guys for hanging out. If you want to see the show notes and see the links for Jennifer and Michael's books, go check out wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes, and you can check out this episode with all the notes on it. If you want to see any of my gear that I use for video or podcasting, it's pretty simple stuff, but I'm happy to talk about it too or do videos if you want to learn it wakingupfromwork.com slash gear and you can go check that stuff out. So see you guys next time on the Waking Up From Work podcast. Have a killer week. Peace. Get ready to hustle.